0: Americans. This is the Urbane Cowboys podcast with Josiah Neely of R Street Institute and Doug McCullough of Lone Star Policy Institute. Good day.
1: We are here with Shoshana Weissman, who is the digital media specialist for the R Street Institute. Also has a side hustle selling branded Mitch McConnell clothing. Welcome.
2: Yay, thanks for having me.
1: Doug and I don't really know what we're doing, uh, but we do know that we want to talk about occupational licensing. The op- occupational licensing, threat or menace?
2: Oh my gosh, it's just the worst thing ever. Like, the the stories I hear about how it functions is just insane. It drives me up a wall. Like, by now, like, everyone I've met in my entire life has heard the story of the florist who um, couldn't get a license to be a florist because it was too dangerous in Louisiana, so you need to have a license, which is insane, um, and she, when she died, she died alone and in poverty because she couldn't get a government license to be a florist. Like that's insane. It drives me up a wall. So it's just, it's just so unbelievably horrible. And when you hear about these stories for the first time, oh my gosh, you're just like, this is happening in America. So, so I think it's worse than like a menace. It's just like satanic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think most people, when they think of occupational licensing, in my experience, their mind goes straight to the the doctor or the lawyer or something like that, where a lot of people might think, okay, it it makes sense to have a license, to require a license for that. I'm an extremist, maybe not, maybe not me. Do we really need licenses for brain surgery? But for most people, they think, oh, yeah, that's fine. But then when you start listing off some of the careers that actually are licensed, you decorators or whatever uh it, it gets pretty ridiculous pretty fast
2: so there's a bunch of sides to it there's like why the heck are we licensing these things so that includes things like hair braiders need a license um in some states blow dryers again florist is up there fortune tellers because you wouldn't want a defective fortune teller auctioneers like all these things that it's like why in the world does this need a license so that's one side of it and then there's times when it's like you might understand why these things need to be licensed but the requirements are just so overdone. Sometimes uh, plumbers need way more hours than is useful for them. Uh, Other more technical hands-on blue collar jobs fall into that category. And then I think the last category is like doctors and lawyers. Like, of course you want your brain surgeon to have a license, but but maybe your nurse is able to do a little bit more than doctors allow her to. Uh, You know, all of this boils down to like economic protectionism so doctors don't want nurses to encroach on them so there is room to expand what nurses do expand what paralegals do and even maybe make a category below paralegals where they can do a little bit more so those are kind of the three categories the this is stupid i get this but this is too much and the like i totally get this but we should we should expand the opportunity a little bit more
0: uh, let's not get crazy here. I'm a, I'm a lawyer by trade. And you know, we don't want to we don't want just anybody doing what I do. Uh, I mean, I'm all for a free market for everybody else, but maybe not for lawyers.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, there's so much legal work too that. Um, you want someone who's familiar with it to be doing it. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, you don't need a lawyer to do it like and that that falls under certain kinds of documents and a little bit like kind of like legal zooms area like some of that stuff sure. i would be totally cool if a non-lawyer did it just someone who knew more about it than i do um or her legals yeah yeah there's definitely room to expand there and and you know the the medical field the legal field and there's a handful of others that kind of fall into that where we can really lower the the cost the cost of access to uh to justice and to medicine telemedicine is kind of bringing that to light because like there's all these online tools for um for measuring uh, for measuring your eyes and figuring out what kind of glasses you need and optometrists get mad at that so th- there's a whole world there that I think is going to explode soon and I'm excited to see it all burn down <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah right and the thing that I think you know the typical justification for these licensing why do you have to require licenses it's, you know, public, public safety, right? People are going to get hurt. You know, the quality of the service will improve if you have the license. And very often it seems the evidence is, no, actually you don't get any improved service by requiring a doctor to do something as opposed to a, a nurse or a, a dentist as opposed to a hygienist or a, a lot of states, you know, a lot of occupations might be licensed in one state not license not there there isn't a required license in the neighboring state and it's not like the neighboring state is is some sort of uh, hellhole so the, the the main thing that it seems to do is increase the cost of the service which is pretty bad yeah I mean, maybe not
0: if you're a practitioner maybe it's pretty good uh, but for society is not so great even as an attorney that that you know that cut, cuts both ways for me i do a lot of international business but i'm technically i'm only uh, licensed in the state of texas so if i have clients doing business in other states then it, you know i have to worry about am i uh, am i lawfully doing business uh, practicing law in another state so I mean, it even affects us that actually have a license
2: it's really confusing here because there you know there's I sometimes think do we even need a license to be a lawyer like should that even be required but yeah, I I'm, I'm comfortable with it for now but I I would love to see experiments like what happened if you stopped requiring a license for this part of law or um even you know not really medicine but for for certain more skilled professions where um where life or um or is in danger, you know, whether it's health safety or even I get financial safety to a level, I'd be interested to see what happened if we stopped licensing. And that's a really good comparison too because doctors and lawyers are licensed in every state. So experimentation there is a little bit harder, but for most other professions, it's not licensed in every state so like hair braiders aren't licensed in every state and in all these cases you see everyone's doing fine when there's no license required for various things whether it's hair people who deal with hair and makeup or or you know certain kinds of contractors just look at how other states handle it look at the various rates of anything related to health and safety and you'll see that there's not really a difference I mean I'm all for like health inspection checks so like, yeah, if you're um, if you're a manicurist and like everything's really dirty and people are getting sick, the health inspector should come. But you don't need a license for that. It's just like a, a normal checkup type thing. Or if someone calls in a complaint, you know, maybe uh, the health inspector is like, hey, we got a report of something happening here. But it, that it, it's licensing is really one of those areas where you can see what's working in states and what's not. And if it's dangerous to de-license something or not. I know
0: that this is an area that you're very passionate about. In the the age of Trump, how do you get other people excited about occupational licensing? Is that sort of an uphill battle or are you finding people receptive to to having this conversation?
2: Very much the latter. I always thought it was going to be a harder thing, especially with Trump and like, you know, branding conservatism so badly, but people get it and people are like, hey, this is is not good. And you get about the same proportion of liberals and conservatives for and against it. I'd say close to 90% of conservatives and liberals are pretty much with me on all this stuff. And then there's like a 5 to 10% who think that like, I just want to, Burn down all protections for health and safety, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's totally what I'm going to do. Um, but it's um, it's kind of interesting to see that the the thought process for both sides is pretty much the same. Um, conservatives are a little more into regulatory reform and. You know, liberals are a little more into fields, but there's there's definitely a lot of similarity on both sides. And a lot of people like that it's an issue where everyone can come together. Um, you don't really get much of that nowadays. So it's like, hey, not everything has to be terrible. And, you know, as polarized as things are, even the, the polarized people kind of like that.
1: My general view is that if you were able to do something... Uh, provide a service for somebody for free then it doesn't make sense to require a a license for it so for example if if my wife wanted to cut my hair she could do that there's no licensing requirement but if she wanted to open a a barber shop it's a different different story like uh, on the other hand she would not be able to even just as a favor to me perform open heart surgery on me that might be one
0: one line well, I don't know, because, uh, you know, we, we just passed right to try. So perhaps if you want to try that, maybe she could. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe.
2: I uh, love that. Oh, man, I love right to try. Goldwater has been killing on that. No no, really messed up pun intended there, but they've, <laughs> they've really been doing awesome work there. Um, I'm excited about, like, allowing experimentation. And, like, I, I totally get that health and safety is important, but right to try is super, super important. I, I worry that sometimes our, our excessive concern about health and safety throws the baby out with the bathwater where we we stop that area for experimentation again like right to try is a perfect example of a good thing and and not doing the the excessiveness
1: so there are some things like the florists uh, or the interior decorators or whatever where i think the answer is just uh you don't need anything what are you going to replace you're going to get rid of the license replace it with nothing if there are situations where people are a little squeamish about health and safety there are less intrusive alternatives to licensing that you could do you could do certification right which is kind of like licensing except that it's not mandatory you can still do it without the certification but people you know are going to kind of wonder like why am i going to this guy who doesn't have a degree in whatever it is you can also require bonding maybe so th- there's other things you can do there's alternatives
2: there's there's actually a lot of steps before you get to licensing whether you know i still don't love permits but sometimes that's a good solution or um or various other forms of, um, of kind of making sure everything's okay. And the just licensing tends to be so onerous. And the way it's used, like a really good example is with Louisiana florists. I don't remember how recent this data is, but it's within the past decade, the, if not the past two decades. Um, the, the pass rate for the Louisiana florist exam was lower than than it was for the, Lu, the Louisiana bar exam. <laughs> so it's easier to become a lawyer in Louisiana than a florist. And that's because... It's um, licensed florists who judge work of floral art and like if they don't like it you don't pass now that part isn't there anymore but that just tells you everything you need to know about this stuff and, um, and a lot of us grow up not questioning authority because we're like well you know we have to protect health and safety but we need to do better with questioning it and I used to be bad with this until I got into this stuff and I'm like oh my gosh government has no idea what it's doing a weird amount of the time and it's just like saying stuff and like not thinking through or in intentionally like helping out industry insiders and it's super super weird in itself that like florists in louisiana are a big lobby but like i mean like the catfish lobby is a thing so i guess it shouldn't be that surprising
1: there's a lobby for everything
2: it really is
1: so one last issue that i wanted to touch on so we talked about should certain professions be licensed or should they not be licensed or what's the alternatives or whatever there are also some kind of subsidiary concerns. Uh, yeah. That crop up. So, you recently put out a report that looked at states uh, that suspend licenses based on the people being in student loan default. Could you could you explain a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So, um, for a long time, I've known that if people don't pay certain like court fees, um, or if they fall behind on um on a child payments, that like sometimes their driver's license is revoked, which is stupid because if they can't afford those payments take away their ability to, to drive places so they can get to work? Like, that's messed up. I found out a couple of months ago, and we, and at our Street, we just did a paper on it in a USA Today op-ed. When we wrote it, it was 19 states. Now it's down to 18. And, um, and there's actually mm-hmm. legislation through uh, Senators Warren and Rubio to fix. But in, in 18 states currently, if you fall behind on student loans, government can take away your license to work. So if you can't pay your loans, they're going to literally just stop you from working. And of course, you can get other jobs. But if you're a nurse and you lose and it happens to nurses and teachers a lot um, and you you can't do that anymore, you can't do the job you know best, your salary is going to be lower, most likely, um, which is terrible. I mean, so it's going to make it harder for you to, to work to regain that stuff it's it's really sick. It's just, it's just an impossible task for them. And in one of the cases, the New York Times did a big expose on this. There was a woman who had, who started getting seizures and she couldn't work because of it. And because she couldn't work, she couldn't pay her student loans. And by the time she could, they had taken away her license and she couldn't afford to get her license back because she would have had to pay to do that. It's insane. And of course we should use every tool to make sure that people who can pay and who aren't sick are paying. So like I'm totally fine with wage garnishment and other tools that actually get those loans paid back. But this doesn't do that. This just takes away their ability to repay loans. So it hurts lenders. It hurts other people. I mean, it's just, it hurts everyone. Like, I, it's a terrible idea. And it w- it's kind of the Department of Education's fault in the 90s Because they're like, hey, how about you take away their license to work if they're not repaying loans? And about 22 or so states did that. Thankfully, some states have been getting rid of these laws, but it's hurting lots of people. And I think that one thing other people don't understand is that there's a shortage of teachers and nurses. And those are the professions. It's happening to like a lot, like thousands of cases of this. So we have a rural health crisis and we're stopping nurses from working. It's insane.
1: Yeah, I think Texas is one of those 18 states. It is. Yeah, yeah there's been some uh, proposals to fix that next year when the legislature comes back. hopefully hopefully they will, because that that just seems whatever you think about licensing in general, the idea that you someone's not paying their bills so you're going to make it so they can't have a job to pay their
0: bill, it just doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Well, you've, you've mentioned conservatives and libertarians, and that kind of, I think, leads to uh, the next topic that we wanted to turn to. Why can't they win in cities?
2: Oh, my gosh. There's so many reasons. There's, um, gosh, I could write a book. Well, I, go for it. I've been working on this a long time because um, growing up in Nassau County, where I started in politics, people always said, oh, liberals don't want us in cities. Uh, cities are full of liberals, and that's why we don't win or... Um, our ideas don't work in cities and I'm like none of this makes any sense so I actually looked into it and I've read so many articles and papers and looked through the data and a lot of it's pretty clear it's straightforward the reason we don't win in cities is because we don't try we go into cities and we're like hey who hates Obamacare and they're like there's homeless people on our streets and like I can't get a job and they're like but like Obamacare is bad right so you're not you're not gonna win people with that Republicans know when we go into rural areas you talk about farms and farming communities and the issues that face them locally. We just need to do that in cities and say, hey, here's the problems in our community. Um, Here's how I would fix them using my ideas. And it's not about leading with being Republican, but using Republican and conservative ideas um, just because they're good, like common sense, good governance stuff. Um, so that's one big part of it. And also, even the, the candidates who do get it, there's too few of them, but they are out there. Donors don't want to fund them because they're like, oh, this guy's never going to win. And that's true a lot of times, but you got to try and you got to make those inroads. San Diego has a Republican mayor and like Mayor McCornett in Oklahoma City, even though it's a little more red, there's a lot of blue there. and He's been doing great. Um, Texas has a lot of conservative mayors, but we we need more of that. We need more like Even though I don't agree with Giuliani on much these days, we need a Giuliani type who's like, here's the problems facing our city and here's how we handle them. And honestly, Democrats have the same problem. They run super tone deaf campaigns in rural areas, but they have the upper hand because rural areas are shrinking and cities are growing. There's also a direct relationship between population density and voting patterns. Red turns to blue at 800 people per square mile. Um, There's a graph that showed that. If you overlay a voting map, it looks like a population density map. There's lots of other things that go into it. The philosophy behind modern day republicanism more than conservatism, where people think that cities are home to like all of society's ills. But there's a lot of data to to contradict that. And we just need to like stop, you know, complaining about like liberals and cities and start being like, hey, you like Uber, that's capitalism and like, here's other things it can do. So it, it's just about going in, um, being real, showing up, showing you care, coming with solutions, and like having done your research before you got there, but also like being willing to listen. It's just like running a good campaign. It's all those things that we just like forget how to do when we go into cities.